Hello and welcome to IEEE Soft Robotics Podcast. In this podcast, we are going to interview researchers from Pulse Academia and Industry about their work, thoughts, spectrum, and more beyond that. This is Marwa Edwini, and I hope you will find this podcast useful. If you would like to connect with us, simply send us, and we will be happy to hear from you. And here is my interview. Thanks. Hello and welcome to IEEE Soft Robotics Podcast. Um, hello, Professor Katya. Thanks so much for joining us in the podcast. I would like to ask you first how you would like to define yourself. Hmm, good question, Marwa. So, I think I'm an engineer. I'm uh, I'm also an educator, and I'm a mom. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's a great answer. Yeah. So I would like to go back when you're a child. Do you have any memories of your childhood uh, where you're interested in science or technology? Not especially. I mean, when I was a child, my dream first was to open a shop to, you know, to make ice cream, good ice cream. That was my dream. <laughs> then the, the dream kind of changed as I was growing up. Yeah. And um, when it was time for me to decide a bit more what to do, I wanted to be an architect. So mm -hmm. I was inspired by, I wanted to design buildings. Yeah. But then as I started, you know, I went to college, I started to study architecture. Then I slowly, I changed my trajectory and I moved to structural engineering. Mm -hmm. And then I kept slowly moving the trajectory and now I am where I am. Oh, that's very interesting. I, uh... And it makes sense that you are really working in what I consider really very interesting in the soft robotics field. But I would like to ask you in this journey of changing a trajectory, how do you feel about it? Do you think it was easy that you're changing uh, and you didn't know what you have to do at early age? Was it challenging for you? I say maybe, you know, now you look backward and you see how much your trajectory has changed and then, you know, you see, oh, how did it happen? But reality changed day by day, right? You're changing a little bit by a little bit and you don't realize that. It's not a sudden you, you and it's not a sudden I decide I want to do something completely different. Mm -hmm. You know, by day by day, I changed a little bit and then, you know, if you wait long enough, then you realize that has changed by quite a lot. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, what's something you gained while changing, something changing your mindset that you keep to changing and figuring out what that thing is. I think it's, I'm always attracted by new ideas, exploring, you know, new idea, new concept. And then I think the advantage in being able to somehow change your direct, your trajectory is that you have experience in certain other areas and you can bring, and you bring this experience with you. And this maybe give you a different point of view on a specific problem or a specific area of research. Yeah, so this is something that I find to be interesting. I mean, and, you know, and to be exciting also somehow, provide some of fresh air sometime, from time to time. I really love this expression. Really, really interesting. So I would like to ask you how you came across soft robotics field. And I think you've highly inspired by your studies as architect, um, architecture as well. So how you came across soft robotics? I say I, over the years, I got passionate about studying the large deformation of soft structure, right? And at the beginning, this soft structure where we were looking at them as material that were changing mechanical properties. So we were looking at tuning stiffness or tuning Poisson ratio. And then at the same time, when I moved to Harvard in 2010, 
In the robotics area, Rob Wood, George Weiss, Dan Connor Walsh, Rob Howe, they start, you know, there was a lot of excitement around, oh, look, we can also build structure that moves and then grasp out of this uh, soft material like rubber. Yeah. And it didn't take long before, you know, we start talking about, and I was coming from a, from a structural um, background and they had clear robotic background. And it was a nice, you know, nice, we started a lot of nice interactions. Mm -hmm. Great. So if I ask you how you would define soft robotics, what is the definition you have in your mind about soft robotics? For me, it's a structure. And what we are trying to do with, the with, with a deformable structure, and the game we try to play is to design the structure in such a way we can give it a functionality, so we can make it functional. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Great. That's an interesting point as well. And if I ask you, to ask you, what could be the most important question you have to consider based on this definition for your research? What could be the most important question you have to consider? Well, I think you know the point is. The important question, I believe, is on the functionality, right? Mm -hmm. So can we design, can we simplify, can we design structures that are very simple, but can perform advanced functionalities? And somehow, can we do it in as, as simple as possible way? Uh -huh. mm -hmm. And what is the tool you use, do you think? What is the core tool you think you have to use for getting this simple structure that can have interesting information? I think, unfortunately, there is going to be a bit of intuition, mm -hmm. but also then we use, you know, quite a bit of modeling and our understanding of the mechanical behavior of the structure combined with model, modeling tool, maybe finite element simulation or simple analytical prediction mm -hmm. or some reduce order modeling. Yeah. Yeah. So I think I'm curious to ask you this question because that's a core question we have in the community. And I think that's your, the basis of your work that you try to understand the nonlinearities that could, and that's also what Professor George by said then that they could be beneficial for like buckling, uh, like for example. But the question we have in the community, I think you, I hope you can answer in detail for that how we can access the beneficial material, uh, the nonlinearities in the material and geometrical structure as well, so that we can get interesting information. That's the first part, how we can access them. Yeah, so how can we access this nonlinearity, right? The idea is, okay, this, this nonlinearity can help us, but somehow they are not always easy to be accessed. So first of all, now this range of material we are using, so rubber, elastomers, yeah. hydrogel, those help us a lot because those material, you know, they can sustain large deformation without breaking. With metals, it's different, right? They go into plasticity, so they change their behavior. Mm -hmm. So with rubber, it's much easy, more easy to assess these nonlinear regimes. The material nonlinearity are helping, but they're quite limited. So mm -hmm. in th then we need to couple those with geometric nonlinearities. Geometric nonlinearities, somehow I think we are lucky because, you know, engineers and physicists and researchers have studied those for, you know, a more than a century. Yeah. And now, I mean, the point is, the question is also, how can we realize those in a robust way and in a simple way? Mm -hmm. And I mean, in a robust, what I mean with a robust is typically these nonlinearity are very sensitive to geometric imperfection, to, you know, 
those geometric imperfections are unavoidable. And so now we want to make them, I want to make sure that this nonlinearity manifests themselves every time and in any prototype. Mm -hmm. So that's probably a, that's a challenging part. Yeah. I would like to ask you, because I'm curious, this is, I think your research line is, is really, I think, ahead of time for how we focus on the designing of robotics. And when we ask about this part of research, I had the perception, I don't know if you agree, that it's not really well invested uh, investigation in this research line about embracing or trying to access this nonlinearities, either through modeling or intuition or being innovative. Do you agree with that? And why? I sort of agree, but I also think that the research community interested in soft robotic is moving in that direction, right? And clearly, I mean, it's the area of soft robotic is quite new. And at the beginning, it was very exploratory. And there was so much to, and it was, you know, at the beginning, there was a lot to explore. And now people are trying to figure out what are the most exciting and promising areas. Mm -hmm. And so now there start to be more focused research on specific areas. And I believe that the exploitation of the nonlinearity, I hope is going to be one of these. So mm -hmm. there's, you know, I see anyway, also on the modeling side, more and more uh, concentrated effort in trying to really understand the behavior of these uh, soft machines. Yeah, yeah. So maybe a student could ask you for, as you mentioned about intuition to design structure that could give you this interesting information. Um, how how you get this design? What could be the important parameter significant to you in designing that can also enhance the, alongside the material nonlinearities? How you can figure out that? And also, if I ask you also about what could be the area of direction of research could be very promising in this research line, but the community seems to still disagree or doesn't give much attention. I mean, I think that trying to really exploit this nonlinearity, this geometric nonlinearity, and really to push these soft robots into this, you know, these nonlinear regimes and try to exploit this is promising. Mm. And, you know, my group has been working on it in George has also been pushing for it. And somehow some, what we are seeing is also very simple phenomena as, you know, closing a tube or inverting a cap. Phenomena that, you know, we somehow encounter in our daily life because you know are playing a role in the design can be basically play an important role in this mm -hmm. machine yeah. so i think this is kind of exciting and um and also promising somehow now i forgot about the first part of your question yeah if the student asks you how you structure i mean you mentioned an intuition but how you get like uh, inspiration that that would be the most significant parameter in the geometry you can can extract this nonlinearities and also plays a significant role besides the material nonlinearities. How you can figure out that? Of course, there's tool, but how you can get that at the first time? I think the way we look typically at this problem, we start exploring literature because, as I said, the the study of these geometric nonlinearities have a, a long history in the mechanics community. Mm -hmm. So we typically start from there and we look at this, you know, different type of geometric nonlinearity. Might be recently we look at snapping of a shell. And then, you know, looking at the literature, we get a pretty good picture of what are the features associated with this specific nonlinearity. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, and then the next step is try to associate, try to figure out where this feature can be used and exploited within a robot, right? Which functionality can they give us? 
and mm. then there are a lot of practical questions. How can I incorporate this specific element, the specific element, structural element into a robot? How can I, you know, embed it into a, a certain machine? How can I make sure that it functions at how it should be? And then how can I make sure that this behavior that it gives me produce a, a given functionality? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think maybe the um, interesting part about um, based on what you try to do, do you think how you're thought about, uh, what is your thought about that using traditional control techniques to force um, the soft troubles, for example, to certain deformation or actuation, do you think that we can replace that with the uh, nonlinearities that we get from uh, the material uh, and the structure? Yeah, the, yeah, I see where you're going. And I believe that's quite ambitious, right? Mm-hmm. And I think, I mean, probably a most, the strategy that I see more suitable for, you know, realizing soft machine capable of a variety of functions is to combine the two. Take advantage of nonlinearity, but probably down the road, we also need to couple with simple control strategies. Maybe what we can do, we can a bit simplify the control strategies because, you know, nonlinearity can help us in getting specific, you know, specific, pieces that you need for the control. Yeah. So um, may I ask you about maybe why simulation sometimes is challenging and modeling specifically, thanks to highlighted modeling. So why modeling is so challenging, especially when we understand, um, do you think you even understand the physics of the material we use very well? And for example, in structure and, and their properties? Yeah, no, look, I mean, we understand the material this typically you know, soft robots are made of very simple material, rubber elastomer. So we understand the physics of this material extremely well. But then what we do, we structure this material into you know, thin components. They're typically thin membranes and, and there are all sorts of instabilities and those are computationally challenging to capture. Mm-hmm. And uh, there are uh, you know, fully resolved finite element analysis. We have been running those for a while. You know, those are doable, but we are all aware that those also are not real-time simulation, right? Those type of simulation thing take quite a long time to run. So those are probably solve some of the issue, but are not the solution. And yeah. so it's, there is an open question, right? To look for modeling tools that are fast, efficient, and provide, uh, I mean, good, I mean, capture, well capture the response of the systems. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And do you think that's also played by how, how we design sensing in soft robotics and how we can make them more predictive and less dependent on feedback? How do you see this part of sensing design and making soft robots more predictive and less depending on feedback? Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, can we basically, ideally, if you're able, you know, if you're able to really make this model predictive and efficient, then, you know, we could even couple them with a soft robot to some, you know, for some real-time control, right? And I believe this would be the final goal of the, you know, the final picture that one could have in mind. But unfortunately, I believe we are still quite far from that picture. But they say, you know, a lot of people are working to realize this vision. So yeah. I'm positive that we'll get there. Yeah. And if I ask you about the trade-off about the designing as well, since you, we mentioned sometimes that there's a trade-off between the mechanical performance we try to get and the response time of the robots, of soft robot. Why do you think there's always a trade-off between both of them? And do you think it's significant to consider having a soft robot with um, high mechanical performance and response time? Of course, it's been an application, but why do you think that this trade-off happening and where it comes from? 
What do you mean with response time? Exactly. Like a bandwidth, how it's fast, how fast is a response? Yeah. I mean, this is, a, I would say, not an issue, but has been a limitation somehow, right, for the soft robot. I mean, we typically, I mean, if we inflate, then we need to move air around, right? Mm -hmm. And so moving fluid around takes time. There are viscous forces and we are working against them. If you have a smart material and, you know, there's a responsive to stimulus, typically, you know, those also take time, you know, to, to I mean, to, to sense the stimulus and then to change their properties. For the stimulus responsive material, there are, you know, enormous progress going on and designing new materials. I'm thinking about LCE, for example, that, you know, respond fast. So mm -hmm. the time response basically is significantly reduced. And now the question is, how can we integrate those material into soft robots? And, you know, and how can we design ef efficient machines? And I think there are promising studies in this direction. For the fluidic part, what we are trying to do, I mean, we are trying to minimize, the, the idea is maybe we can go around this problem if you're able to minimize the amount of fluid we need to move around. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. And then, I mean, I think the option is either you go small, so you miniaturize, so you don't need to move much fluid, or you try to exploit this instability that we are, we are working around so that basically, you know, a tiny amount, a tiny change in fluid give you a large response because there is a, the response is amplified by an instability. Mm -hmm. If I ask you about the challenges or limitation you have for your work, it's something very challenging you're working on right now, or you still try to figure it out what that thing is. I say, you know, we are, uh, clearly there are uh, this, I think in a practical sense, then there are, uh, we, what we are working on are very simple machines. So we are demonstrating the concept on basically single actuator. But then, you know, if you really want to push this and you need to integrate machine, then you need to have multiple of these elements. And I think, you know, the, the integration between all these elements is still a challenge. Mm -hmm. And it's something we haven't, you know, we should start thinking about. Yeah, yeah. And if I ask you what, from your point of view, would be the biggest technological roadblocks that face soft robotics in short term and longer term? I think, I mean, uh, there are, you know, many issues, not issues, but many challenges that needs to be somehow overcome. And clearly control is, an, you know, it's a challenge. So Why? most of the system now are open loop, right? But then if you really want to integrate into industrial setting, into industrial operation, then we need somehow to be able to control them. And there are, it's good. I mean, I, 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 you know, talking with colleagues, there are enormous progress, but still, I mean, it's still, it's not, still not as easy as a standard ro rigid robot, the control part. Mm -hmm. Also another, um, if I think about fluidics robot, and I mean, Portability is an issue, right? I mean, we would like to make this uh, system self-standing, but then you have a pump and then you have, you know, all this uh, additional uh, equipment that you need in order to run your machine. Yeah. So clearly also the energy, the energetic part, the efficiency of this machine is, uh, you know, it's a challenge. And, but again, also I'm, I'm quite positive. Also here, there are a lot of exciting studies, try to make the system more efficient and other run you know, miniaturizing all the equipment that is needed to make them running. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I'm also going to ask you about, we had the second soft robotics debate about whether we have to seek new materials with new functionality, or we have to maybe using architected compliance so that we get this functionality. What do you, what do you think about that? Do you think we have to seek still designing new material or we have to explore in the area of architectural compliance and morphology? 
ideally, I think we should pursue both direction, right? Mm -hmm. And hopefully the combination of these two will heal to, you know, will lead to the best, I mean, to the, the design we are all looking for. And both, I think both strategy, you know, should be explored. Clearly, I mean, we need more, we need more new, we need better material and we need better structures. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. And then, I mean, you know, in a couple of years, we'll see which one, you know, is the, maybe, maybe we'll end up in a couple of years, only we'll, we'll realize that one direction is more promising of the other one for a number of reasons, but now it's difficult to see. So I think we should basically investigate both directions. Yeah. So maybe Sterling could ask you if you're interested, he or she interested in architectural compliance or structure nonlinearities, what do you think the scale is needed, most importantly, so that you can master this research line? Yeah, I mean, if I think of students, I mean, I think, you know, there is the, what I like about this field of research is we need a variety of skill. We need, you know, skill at the structural level, so structural design, control, the robotic skill, and also on one hand, chemistry and material synthesis. So I think, you know, there is space for a lot of skills and then clearly depending on everyone's passions, you know, you can identify the specific area that you want to, you know, invest your time on and your energy. Yeah. And there's also a question from the audience. Do you think that does the control need to be aware of the computation done by the morphology or... Ideally, I mean, ideally, yeah, it would be great, right? If all these different communities that somehow are involved in the design of this machine, it would be great if they all are aware of what the other community is working on. Mm -hmm. And I say, you know, this intercommunication is becoming better and there are also, with time, you know, there are more journal and paper on where these efforts, I mean, joint effort are described and, you know, funding opportunities. And so people are recognizing the importance of this type of communication and, you know, collaboration with different expertise. And so there are, you know, avenues for that are coming up very quickly. Uh, yeah. So I'm curious to ask you about the material. Do you think you have in your mind optimal material that you would think about um, having maybe in the near future? What could be that's the specification of the optimal material from your perspective? From my perspective, an optimal material is a material that could change, you know, that could change shape, extend, contract in a very quickly. And this material good mechanical properties. And you know, you can cycle and it's uh, and it can be cycled many times and the input can be easy. So with an easy input that is yeah. very sensitive to an input. Clearly, I mean, this is the gold standard, right? And many groups are after that. Yeah, yeah. And also I'm, I'm curious to ask you about this audience asking about why the translation of soft robotics into industry is so challenging. What are the missing pieces do you think that we have to focus on while we have to translate what done the lab to the industry? I mean, this is an interesting question, right? I think, I mean, changing uh, mindsets and changing production processes is such a, is challenging, right? So certain production processes, certain way of operating have been in place for a long time. And we have warehouse that work is second, following a certain procedure. And, you know, we have certain production processes that work following a certain procedure and these are well established. And, you know, it's understandable that it takes time to change those. Mm -hmm. yeah. But there are, uh, and so I think we should, to be, yeah, I think, you know, 
it makes sense at the beginning to focus on specific area where there is a very clear advantage. I'm thinking about, for example, rehabilitation. So tasks that have somehow interface with the human body, right? Mm -hmm. So rehabilitation tasks where clearly, I mean, this technology has a very clear advantage. Yeah. And then hopefully this will open opportunities also for expansion if, into different areas. Yeah. Once people, I mean, you know, when the, you know, the public appreciate an industry, then will start to appreciate what this technology can, you know, can enable. Yeah. So I know that you don't have so much time, so we have a few questions uh, left. I'm curious to ask you, as a woman in the field, in your journey, do you think you struggled a lot to prove yourself or was it easy for you? And do you think you how you perceived it as a woman in the field? Yeah, no, this is a very good question. Honestly, I never paid much, much attention to this. Mm -hmm. So when I was in college, I started, I declared a structural engineering and there were two women and 250 men. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it was clearly not a 50-50 situation. It was a 199 type of uh, ratio. Yeah. But I never pay attention to that. Maybe I should. But I never pay attention. For me, it was I, now it comes to my mind because now probably there is more discussion about this issue. Honestly, at that time, I even didn't pay attention to the fact that, you know, all the um, all the other students were male. And this then continued also during my PhD, during my postdoc. Then I became more and more aware. I was lucky when during my postdoc, my advisor was a woman, I mean, Mary Boyce. And she really did a lot of seminal work in opening up opportunities for women in academia. Yeah. Is it, sometime, I mean, it might be more challenging for a woman because I mean, society has certain expectation probably. Mm -hmm. I think, I mean, I define myself lucky because, you know, when I started my, my academic job, I think the academia in general was, you know, was open to the idea and was very open to the idea that, that also, you know, is not only mechanical engineering, it's not only for men, but, you know, it should be a 50-50 type mm -hmm. of uh, endeavor. Yeah, yeah. You're yeah, right. I think we still need more about um, to maybe initiative how we can enhance the number of women already. Mm -hmm. already and then I fully agree because you know maybe I, I'm I'm quite sure I'm the section in this session. Personally, for me, it's not important to be surrounded by other women. But when talking with my graduate students, instead, I realized that for them, it's very it's very important to see around them other women. So it's yeah, also uh quite subjective, right? With you, I, I agree with I share the same vision, I think. But I, my point also, again, that uh, even some female guests say that sometimes you have to work harder because um, not all male colleagues, we will not make an assuming generalization, they, they don't believe uh, that uh, a woman can do something interesting. Uh, it's like a misogyny, we can say. And this still exists. We have some story about that. And that's why I'm asking you. I think I've, I've, yeah, I feel I've been lucky in that sense. I never had a feeling. I never had a feeling that, you know, I had to be, be to work more because I'm a woman. Maybe, I mean, it might be that it maybe I was there, but I just don't pay attention. Yeah. And I just keep going for my, uh, my way, pretty I much. I think that's a good advice for many females. 
Uh, and I'm curious to ask you about how we can how can we enable more inclusive culture around competitive idea? And we ask this question because we, we know that there is limited funding available sometimes for different ideas. And for example, for your search line, uh, it's not really well explored in the field and still people still figure out what how, how learning arts can be beneficial for soft robots and get this interesting information. So how we, we can make sure we can be intellectually inclusive, do you think? We're already intellectually inclusive or we have to make efforts with that? I think clearly we are making progress, right? But it's other, I mean, it's something for which more is always better, right? Mm -hmm. So clearly, I mean, we have done progress there, but I think there is work to be done. And hopefully, you know, I think the community will agree that this is something important and push for it. I mean, and we all, I mean, it's not only the community, we all need to push for that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's still there's a lot of work to be done. Yeah, and do you think ego is important for the researcher? <laughs> a good question. I would say. I mean, I would say so. Oh, you, you, you agree or not? Yeah, I agree. You, I agree. agree. Okay. And uh, may I ask you what your aspiration in your academic field? Something you uh, maybe you think about that I want to do something like that in five or ten years. What that thing is? I think at the moment I'm quite uh, I'm quite excited by trying to figure out how much we can push the integration of this simple mechanics concept into mm. into active structure and a class of you know, a prominent class of active structure are these soft robots. So, you know, we are at the beginning of this um, of this path and it's quite exciting. And uh, yeah, we'll see in a couple of years, you know, where this will bring us. Yes. Yeah. And what what is the most important quality you think you have to maintain while being in an academy? What that thing is? Important quality. I think, I mean, quality to maintain. I think, you know, what I'm always telling my student is, you know, try to be rigorous. And somehow, you know, sometimes, I mean, when I talk to students, there is a tendency to push, to rush, rush things through, right? Try to get as fast as possible. But I think, you know, try to be rigorous. And I think this pays off, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, but uh, I, I think that's something we discussed in the podcast about the pressure to publish. And most of junior researchers say that, they, there's a pressure to publish and how you can be sometimes, yeah, in a short time, you know, science take a lot of time, but do you think the pressure to publish can affect this mentality? I, unfortunately, I think it's affecting this, but you know, I always, I always push him back. And mm -hmm. in a sense, I understand that, you know, there is this pressure to publish and now, you know, everyone has a lot of publication and it's eager to get more, but I think it's not only the number, right? It's not only quantity, quality is what matters. Yeah, that's really indeed, yeah. And finally, what was the best advice was given to you as a person or professionally and was a life changing? <laughs> I think, I mean, uh, the best advice was given to me is, you know, just have fun. So enjoy what you're doing. Make sure that you enjoy what you're doing and make sure that you're excited about what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's true. Yeah. And do you have any final words of robotics community would like to say? Final words? 
Again, not really. I would say, you know, we are in an exciting times where different areas are converging. And personally, I'm excited to see what this will, where this will bring us. Yeah. yeah. Thanks so much, Professor Kiria. I, I really enjoyed it. And thanks a lot for your time. Thank you. Thank you.